Okay, good morning, everybody. Uh, and welcome to the Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Craig F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is July 14th, uh, 2019. And uh, we're reading from the big book. And we're at uh, page 40. And the second paragraph, let him tell you about it. Um, today's readers are Jason K uh, for the reading, Cindy D and Melissa C. Um, and the reference number for yesterday's special edition is 13,152. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contribution, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition says, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to a compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask Nancy T. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Craig. Good morning, everybody. Nancy T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Lewiston, Idaho. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, now I would ask uh, Kathy M. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning, everybody. Um, Kathy M., compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions are, number one, our common welfare comes first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. I think we lost you. Are you there? Yeah, sorry about that, Craig. Um, 
let me start over. The 12 traditions are, the co- well, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group may never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policies based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communications. Finally, number twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personality. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. All right. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There are There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. The meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone in order to have a quiet meeting. Everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on on, uh, page 40, the second paragraph, which starts, let him tell you about it. Um, I'm going to ask Jason Kay to begin the reading. Jason. Good morning, Jason. Yep. Good morning, Jason. Care recovered compulsive eater and bulimic. Let him tell you about it. I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism, and I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. I rather appreciated your ideas about the subtle insanity which precedes the first drink, but I was confident it could not happen to me after what I had learned. I reasoned I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows that had been usually successful in looking at other personal problems and that I would therefore be successful where you men failed. 
I felt I had every right to be self-confident, that it would only be a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. And um, so this is a this is a a, a, a parable or a teaching uh, teachable moment to look at Fred's story. Fred um, was talked to by some members of Alcoholics Anonymous, and they t- talked to him about the nature of the problem. And you know it, what what I see here and what Fred is telling us is you know he got that information and said thank you very much, and he had this self confidence, and he said he had every right to be self confident. Um, he will exercise his willpower and he will keep on guard. Now, I emphasize with Fred because I did this a lot in trying to get abstinent. I said, I know enough about compulsive eating. Uh, I see the damage it's doing in my life and I have all the health problems and the, the damage to my self-esteem, the unmanageability, um, the money that I'm spending, the day-to-day grind, uh, you know, the weight, uh, and, and all that stuff, the digestion problems. And I said, you know, I'm just going to keep on guard. I can't possibly, I can't possibly um, go back to eating compulsively after all that I experienced. Uh, and, and you know, the the big book is telling us here that the true alcoholic or the true compulsive eater, the person has this chronic condition of, of compulsive eating. We've warped our mind and our body to such an extent that we put ourselves beyond human aid. And part of that human aid is our own mind, um, our own rational mind, our own free will. We can't grasp a hold of this, uh, of this problem, and, and we don't have the necessary power. Sometimes you hear the saying, knowledge is power. But guess what? Self-knowledge applied to this problem doesn't equal the necessary power to overcome this compulsive eating addiction, the disease of compulsive eating, the illness of compulsive eating. Um, so, you know, Fred stares forth in, in, in high spirits and says he's going to stay on guard and says he's going to exercise as well. I and mean, he's confident. Um, and if I'm ever confident in cocksure and, uh, you know, cocky, uh, I'm, I'm in trouble because that's me taking the reins. That's me thinking, you know, I got this, that I can control this, that I can... And, and I have to be on guard for that even now after, you know, a year and nine months of abstinence, you know, living this program, surrendering my will on a day-to-day basis. You know, there's still, still some times where I feel prideful and, and, and confident. And, and maybe I say to God, you know, I got this, um, but I'm turning my entire life and my will over to God. You know, I'm practicing these principles in all my affairs. Um, so it's still, it's still, uh, it still is a lesson to today. Uh, that confidence and self-confidence and exercising my willpower, trying to keep on guard, you know, that that is a block for my higher power, that that's going to spell trouble. Um, and, you know, stay tuned to see uh, where Fred goes in, in, in that frame of mind. So stay tuned and you'll see, uh, you'll see what happens to him. It's a great morning. And with that, I'll pass. Okay. Thanks, Jason, for getting us started. Um, now we're going to take three-minute pitches from people. If you uh, haven't shared in the last couple of days, that means either our Thursday or Friday, then we, then, uh, we ask you to step forward. If you have, if maybe hold back and let the people that uh, haven't shared get their voice out there. Um, Lisa all right, B. So who, okay, Lisa. Kay. Kathy K. Cindy D. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Uh, I can't write that fast. 
I got Lisa B, Charles, uh, and then uh, I had a Kathy K. Kathy K, yeah. Cindy D. Cindy D. Leslie W. Leslie W. All right. Let's get one more here. I have Lisa B, Charles K, uh, or Charles H, Kathy K, Cindy D, and Leslie W. And once, Donna twice. D. Donna D. Okay, we got a lineup. Uh, all right, Lisa B, take us away. Good morning. Thank you, Craig, for your service. My name is Lisa B, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you for everyone that's here this morning. Um, you know, there's a few things that come up for me with this reading. One is as a, as a potential sponsor, someone that takes people through the work. I often hear that from fellows. And it teaches me um, humility, that it's an act of grace that somehow a crack that appears that the light of grace, you know, can come in where I'm able to see, wow, I am, I am dying. I am really desperate, doomed, and dying. And I don't know why I was able to see that when I came on this line and introduced myself as a newcomer, because I was still on what some people would say a high floor, you know. Um, but it was that horrible emptiness inside of me that I knew would not go away. And the scary thought was that I could live to be 100 years old and never get recovered, that I would just keep living like this in that hallway of, well, that middle-of-the-road solution, which I I tried to live. And the, the other thought that comes to me is in Chapter 11 of Visions for You, it says, now and then a serious drinker being dry at the moment says, I don't miss it at all feel better, work better, having a better time. As ex-problem drinkers, we smile at such a sally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirit. He fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to take half a dozen drinks. And, you know, when I work with fellows, sometimes they'll get to step nine, and they'll have done one amend, and they'll feel, wow, I feel so good. You know, and then they stop, and they don't follow through with the work. And sometimes those little spiritual awarenesses they will confuse that with the spiritual awakening and I did that for years I would feel better you know work better and think that that that's it that this is like this is what it's supposed to be and getting recovered and having that spiritual awakening as a result of all the 12 steps done in abstinence completing every amend that I am that I am consciously aware of and then actively working step 12, that it is a 12-step program, not just a 10-step program or 11-step program, but all of the steps, that it gets better and better. It's beyond my comprehension of how good it really can be and not to confuse the spiritual awarenesses with the spiritual awakening and not just settle, not just settle. So that, that's what came up for me of how to apply that today where I am as a sponsor and looking back in my own experience. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Charles H., your turn. Thank you kindly, sir, um, for your service. My name is Charles H. I'm a recovered compulsive overheater. I want to drill down on the first sentence. Um, let him tell you about it. And uh, for more amplification, um, one can look at working with others with the 63 ifs in there, those conditions. Let him tell you about it. And, and uh, 
in this paragraph, Fred is saying, you know, he's expounding on thanks for your information. I don't need you. You know, I, I think, you know, and I'm talking for me as a sponsor, I didn't let them tell me about it. I told them. I said, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. You know what? Let that person, I think I'm, I was doing Overeaters Anonymous um, a disservice by trying to control what they need. Let him tell, you know, today, thank you, God, for spiritual development. I let them tell me about it. And, you know, the reason I put my name out there so much because a lot of them tell me about it. And um, they tell me about it on, on, on you know, it's like, a, it's, like, it's like a date. It don't turn into a marriage on the first date. You know, a, a wise person told me consistency trumps intensity. So Fred is telling me about it. You know, I identify with a lot of sponsors that say, you know what, I want to get that, but I don't want to go through the process. So thanks for the information. And you know what? All I do is pray for them now. I used to be resentful towards them, but I pray for them because you know what? I was that person that told a sponsee, you know what? I got money. I got this. I got that. Thanks for the information. So that's all I want to say. Um, thank you for the development of these steps that they ingrain inside of my head, and I could put myself in their shoes and be like, you know what? Maybe they, don't, maybe they ain't trying to buy what I'm selling. And maybe I ain't got to be the uh, Daffy Duck, the pesky salesperson, and, and, and harm the fellowship anymore. I'm not in that business of doing that. So thank you for letting me share, Craig. I pass. Thanks, Charles. Okay, Kathy Kay, your turn. Good morning. Uh, this is Kathy Kay, recovered in Boston. Thank you, Craig, for your service. And thanks, everyone, for being here today. I, I'm going to focus in on the last sentence i felt i had every right to be self-confident that would it would be only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard and you know for the first i would say 15 years i was in oa um i had periods of abstinence and then something would happen and i would break my abstinence and then I'd get back on and start counting days again. Um, and I would interpret my fall as um, a shortcoming, that I had somehow uh, lost the use of my willpower or I didn't deserve to be as self-confident as I had come to feel about my abstinence. And I've traveled a long way since then and realized that the reason I had on and off abstinence for so many years was that I was attributing what success I had to my own willpower and not recognizing that without a higher power that I could turn to when I was discomforted so that I wouldn't turn to the food was absolutely essential, and it was my self-confidence that overshadowed any humility that I might develop, which would cause me to continuously seek protection from my higher power. So for me, you know, what um, Fred is describing here 
is uh, where I was before I really surrendered my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand God. And until then, um, my sh- my periods of abstinence were doomed to end because I was relying entirely on myself and my own willpower, which works on many other problems in my life, but never worked in the long term on my relationship with food. And with that, I pass. Okay, thank you, Kathy. Cindy D., your turn. That's going to be Hi, followed morning. by Leslie W. Then Donna D. Go ahead, Kat, Cindy. Oh, sorry about that, Craig. Um, thank you. Good morning. This is Cindy D. I'm gratefully recovered in Texas, and um, you know, I'm thinking about the line, you know, the subtle insanity which precedes the first drink. You know, and um, it is it's sneaky. It's it's not just subtle, but it's sneaky. And it takes advantage of any moment um, where I'm not strongly connected with my higher power. And, you know, I I feel that it can happen at any moment. And I'm just celebrating my one year, um, actually, this weekend of entire abstinence. And I look back and I think about it and I'm like, I know that this is a power greater than me that's done this because I have for six decades in my life thought that I knew it all and could do it on my own and tried everything, you know, surgeries and diets and whatever, all kinds of different things and nothing ever worked. And yet I kept thinking that if I just worked harder, I'd be able to do it. Um, And this time I've, you know, I've had to really work to surrender. I sometimes think that I go back and forth between compliance and surrender as one of our fellows shared on a special edition a while back, a couple of years ago, I think. But um, I also find that this disease takes advantage of any other issues I've got going on in my life, that when I'm struggling with any type of emotional buildup, you know, that the disease comes in and it says, okay, here we go, this is my opportunity. And um, I have to, you know, surrender all over again. And for me, I'm finding, you know, now that I'm one year in, that I still have to work at this every single day. And I have to, you know, connect every day to my higher power and give it to him because it's easy for me to slip back into thinking I can do it on my own. Or I can, you know, just do you know, a little bit more of playing around with my food plan than I was. But it's a slippery slope for me, um, very much so. And I'm so grateful that I found my way here and that, you know, I have all of those of you that have gone before me to learn from and to listen to and to wake me up every now and then when I get into that distorted thinking. Um, Because I didn't believe it would be possible ever that I could be one year abstinent and, you know, approaching goal weight. I'm so excited and so grateful for what might be coming next in my journey. and I just want to say that for anyone out there that's new, that's thinking, I'm not sure about this, just give it a try. Um, just really, you know, try to accept the idea that we can't do it alone because it's only when doing that that I found some peace and serenity. So with that, Craig, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, next we have Leslie W. And then we're going to have Donna. Then we're going to 
take a new list of names. So Leslie W., you're up. Hey, Craig, thanks for your service this morning. I'm Leslie, I'm Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee. And uh, reading this, um, a couple things you know, really stood out to me. Uh, what he says here is I rather appreciated and I was confident and I reasoned and I was not so far advanced. I felt I had every right. Oh boy, me and my rights. Um, I can see, you know, the ego in this, but it's interesting when I'm living in that place of, of uh, relying upon self, it's not so, it's not so clear. It's not so black and white. Um, My perspective is skewed and my rights, my rights and my excuses come in and I can justify my behavior. Um, I can justify eating the food. Um, I can justify just about anything. Um, you know, we can all look at this paragraph and think, wow, and see that ego. But yet when we're living in it, it's just, it's not that simple. It's not that simple to see. And that's, I think that's why for, for me, it, it just, it took, it took um, one failed attempt after another, after another to see that, um, that I, that I really couldn't handle it, that I really was a compulsive overeater. Um, and I really was as bad, as bad as some of the others that I saw in the room, because at first I really didn't think so. You know, I didn't, I didn't have a hundred plus pounds to lose. Um, and so, um, you know, it, it was in the beginning easy for me to identify out and just see myself as a person with a little weight problem, you know, or, or a little food problem. And, you know, today I can kind of dismiss um, my little resentments. Even as, as a recovered, you know, person, um, I, you know, I think we all talk on this line about how that doesn't mean cured. And it certainly doesn't mean that I don't have problems. And it sure doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, I'm all automatically going to um, know <laughs> how to deal with those problems in a mature fashion. But thank, thankfully, I do have this program um, that I work every day. And uh, as long as I do my work, when I do have a little resentment, um, or a little fear, then I can, I can, I can capture that. I can capture those feelings while they're happening. Look at them, do the work, see what, see what my part is, do the turnaround and be, and hopefully be the, the one woman that God intends for me to be. And, uh, I, I have to do this, do this work every single day. I really do. And with that, I pass. Okay, great. Thank you. Donna D., your turn. Then we're going to take new names. Hi, this is Donna G., as in grateful, um, from Pennsylvania. And um, thank you for your service. I um, felt led to share, um, particularly uh, uh, for those people who are um, seeing, beginning to see um, 
some results and beginning to see some real changes in their life. I, I've been in program under a year, um, major changes, and the most miraculous have nothing to do with weight. However, I have lost a lot of weight. And um, to me, that was not the motivator. I, I wanted to live. It, it had to do with not wanting to die. Um, but um, obviously, that's a, that has been a very, very, very nice um, byproduct. And I recently went to a class reunion, and I am from a very small, I went to a very small school, so we all know each, knew each other. I haven't gone, I only went to one other class reunion in all these years. It's been a lot, a lot of years. And um, no one recognized me, no one. I thought at first they were joking, but they, they did not know who I was, no one. And um, wow, by the end of the night, the ego had gotten pretty, pretty big. Um, and every, not everyone, but a lot of people were asking me, how did you transform? How did you do this? How, you know, and I, 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 just like this reading, I, I did this, I did that. I mean, that was my natural reaction. And then I, I did catch myself um, and just started saying what I usually say to, to anyone else who would ask, who I see all the time, um, you know, um, God's doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. And um, and that just felt so much closer to the truth. And I guess the reason I'm mentioning this is to encourage people who um, are pretty new to this, um, have done what they need to do in terms of surrender, um, are seeing the results and having um, a lot of praise for the weight loss. And um, just to kind of keep in mind, that's what got us here, um, if that... If that's what got you where you're at, which that's what got me where I'm at, it's definitely all God, um, to continue to acknowledge that. Let me tell you my story this reading begins with. It's not my story. It's God's story. It's my higher power story. Um, this isn't about me at all. I mean, I stepped out of my way, and God got busy and did this for me, and I can't forget that. Um, I don't ever want to forget that. Um, I think it's actually very, very dangerous when I forget that. So um, I just wanted to share that. Keep coming back. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Donna G. Sorry I got that wrong a minute ago. That's okay. Um, That's okay. <laughs> all right. Okay, so now we're ready to take a new lineup of people that haven't shared in the last couple of days. So what do we have? Who would like to share? Duke. Hello, what? Devorah S. Who was Devorah that first S. one? I got you, Devorah. Duke. Who was that? Pete? Duke. Oh, Duke. Okay, Duke. Yeah. All right. Got a last initial, Duke? R. Cynthia C. Uh, something C. Who was that? Cynthia C. Cynthia. Thank you, Cynthia. Lane C. I'm, I talked over you. Who was this? Sorry, Lane C. Lane? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have Duke, Devorah, Cynthia, and Lane. Who else do I have? Four hundred people on here, I think. Can we get a couple more?
All right. Well, Russ, Russ with this. Summer D. All right. We've got Russ and Summer. Okay. That's a good lineup of six. All right. I have Duke, Devorah, Cynthia, Lane, Russ, and Summer. Uh, go ahead, Duke. Kick us off. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay, very good. Um, I've done the work out of the Big Book with a Big Book Step Study sponsor. <clears throat> and, um, you know, every time I read this, it reminds me of me. I went to my first meeting in 1988. I was 450 pounds. And um, I sat on the edge of a metal folding chair, afraid that I would break the chair. You know, I was wearing a trench coat and I had a beeper on because I was in call and healthcare. And I thought, I'm really not like the rest of you people. This is wonderful information, but you know, I can kind of do the job myself. And uh, I fell flat on my face, you know, and it wasn't just then, it was time and time again until I actually became willing. And it wasn't until I did the steps out of the big book that it was pointed out to me that this particular chapter is the second part of step one, that it's my thinking that gets me into trouble. It's my ego, which is usually based in fear. Um, and this particular chapter talks about the reasons why I'm powerless. The first part of step one is the doctor's opinion that I have an allergy, I can trigger it. And this particular chapter talks about the peculiar mental twist in my thinking. It's that denial. You know, earlier in the reading, we read about Jim who puts the, mis the whiskey in with the milk. And he talks about, <clears throat> you know, suddenly the thought crosses his mind. You know, I think it's like two paragraphs later, you know, the guy talks about leisurely dressing for dinner and the thought crosses his mind that he could have a couple of cocktails with dinner. So it's my thinking and it's that constant vigilance that I have. And what I can say today is that those thoughts don't actually enter my mind. And what I realized is that I had physical recovery about 13 years in and then I relapsed um, and I was up to 500 pounds at that point. And it was really through doing a very thorough fourth step where I effectively get down to causes and conditions. And I never realized that the fourth step had three parts which were the resentments, including the turnarounds, the fear inventory, and the sex inventory. And um, as a result of that, I can say today that I'm recovered. But when I work with somebody who's new, I, particularly somebody who's a chronic relapser, we always focus on the first uh, two portions of the first step. And it was a week ago Sunday, somebody spoke about sponsorship and about working on these particular portions of the step and clearing up the food so that we can effectively get down to causes and conditions and the fourth step so that we can recover. Um, thank you for your service this morning. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Duke. Devorah S., you're up, and then it'll be followed by Cynthia C. Good morning, everyone. My name is Devorah S., and thank you, Craig, and everyone on the line that makes this meeting possible, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey, a little out of water this week, but this morning, but anyway, um, I, I, this paragraph, it says, you know, where it says to me here, um, I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows that I had been unsuccessful in looking at other personal problems and that I would therefore be successful or you men had failed. Um, I, I could relate to that very much, being in program, getting abstinent, losing the weight, um, working a program with steps one, two, three every day and doing that for many, many years, um, thinking, you know, hearing about people going through the rest of the steps and, and 
um, and growing and learning spiritually and, and you know, you know, to grow and, and it's getting closer to, high, to my higher power. But I said, no, I don't need to do that. I got this thing. I, you know, I got it. After all, I, I grew up in a religious home. I went to uh, private school. And, um, you know, I got this thing. I don't need to do what you do. And, um, and I continued doing what I was doing. But, you know, thank God I didn't go into um, a relapse that way. But I certainly um, was not feeling, um, you know, happy, joyous, and free because I was so encumbered with my, um, you know, my character defects and everyone else and there and everyone else's character defects. You know, everybody's, you know, if only everybody would do what I wanted. You know, I was just so, was so heavy on me that um, I, you know, I reached a bottom. I reached a bottom and I, and I, you know, wanted what you had. And I crawled over to someone and I said, please help me. What can I do? What is it? You know, I humbled myself here. And, you know, and that's, that's what I need to do every single day. Um, you know, thank God today. And this is a process. It didn't just come overnight for me, you know. And every day is another day where I have an opportunity to grow closer to God and, and to learn from all of you. And I'm, you know, just very, very grateful for, you know, that I put myself down. I had to put that eyes, eyes, eyes away um, and, um, and, and look for another way and to see what is it I need to do um, in order to grow spiritually. Um, and, um, and each day is an adventure. You know, what I did yesterday, I, you know, I see today what I need to do for today, you know, and improve on that. Um, and, um, you know, how exciting that is, you know, to be able to travel this this road of recovery um, and to see, you know, how I could be of more service um, and, um, and to extend myself to another person. And um, with that, I will pass. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Devorah. All right. Cynthia C., your turn, and then that'll be followed by Lane C. Cynthia? This is Cynthia C. May I be heard? Yes. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, everybody, for making this meeting happen today. Um, I just I haven't shared on this line in a really long time. It's been good to listen um, and just take in what everybody's been saying. Um, I I just I have a huge amount of gratitude today, just a huge amount of gratitude. I've been spending a lot of time thinking about where I am now and where I where I was when I came into program, and that was. You know, I, I, I think I made my first call to Visions for You. The first time I listened in was February 2017. And, um, you know, I came in, I was, I was so rageful and I was so angry and I was so focused on my will and me. I was in my head all the time. And, you know, I need to do this and I have to do this and I should do this and I know this and I, 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 it's exhausting just was exhausting. And I didn't realize how exhausting, you know, being focused on me <laughs> was. Um, you know, and today I, I, you know, I got abstinence. It really did. I mean, it really did. Um, you know, and, and 
two plus years later in recovery, um, my life is very different. I, I don't think anybody would describe me as an angry, rageful person anymore. And that is, I'm sure, what people would have described me before. I don't rely on myself. I know that the basis of my program is a spiritual program, and it is, you know, the basis of my program is based on my, yes, keeping abstinence, but, but my working on my relationship with God. Um, and my turning everything over and working the steps like my life depends upon it. And, um, you know, and, and each morning I, I know that if I don't spend my time on my 11th step and spending time on my 11th step is more important. That's my prayer and meditation is more important than anything else that I do besides, you know, keeping my abstinence because that's what keeps me abstinent. Um, it's more important than getting on the meeting. It's more important than talking to my sponsor, um, you know, I, I do my own religious prayers and I, I do 12 step prayers that are based on the big book and I do 20 minutes of meditation and that makes me a whole different person. And at night I, I have to be, I can't sleep well if I don't do my 11 step nighttime inventory before I go to sleep and, uh, and some prayers with that. And, and I also have started making a list every morning. And I make a list of all of the things that I am powerless over, my weight, my compulsive eating, my food addiction, my husband, my children, my mother, my colleagues, whatever it is. And then I list my fears and my lies. So all of these things that have been keeping me stuck in my head, my fear that, you know, I don't deserve to be thin or I, um, you know, I don't deserve to make more money or you know, all of these things that my horrible things my mother used to tell me about myself, I list them, I turn them over to God. And then I list the truth. The truth is, is that, you know, and this I got from a friend in program, but the truth really is, is that God is good. God loves me. God makes everything happen. And God knows what's best for me. And I can really rely on my higher power today. And when I turn over all of the things that I'm powerless over, when I turn over all of the lies that are in my head, all the fears that are in my head, when I turn all of that over to my higher power, and I get to get out of myself, and I get to have this opportunity and growth and experience something far beyond my wildest imagination of what I, life could be before I came into recovery. So thank you so much. With that, I pass, and I'm so beyond grateful for this group. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Cynthia. Next up, we have Lane C. Good morning. Good morning, uh, my fellows. Good morning, Craig. Thank you so much for your service this morning. And um, this is Lane C., a recovered compulsive overeater in Rochester, New York. And it is just amazing to hear the ways that um, that all of your higher powers are, are working in your lives and, and illuminating um, some pieces of this text. Um, I... Um, I, I too can certainly identify with um, with this thinking, and um, am reminded this morning that that um, that the thinking of like, okay, now I've got it. Um, thanks, you know, thanks so much for your help. I, I don't really need this program. Is deadly thinking, um, and I'm just reminded that Fred's story is one where we get to hear about ways that um, that he survived. But for many folks in our fellowship. This thinking has led, you know, folks out of the rooms and to um, towards their death. And so it's just it's uh, it's a lot to to consider that um, the piece that's sticking out for me here um, is the last sentence 
um, and especially that it would only be a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. And I think about, um, for me, how much of my life was about exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. I mean, that's, that was really my remedy for this uh, disease before I came into this program. I was so deeply guarded and fearful and, you know, could not live my life in an open way at all. You know, whenever I would enter into new situations, it was extremely anxiety provoking. I was always wondering, you know, when's the next thing uh, going to come at me? Um, and and I was such a willful person, so very uh, controlling, trying to always sort of manipulate uh, people and trying to um, control others around me, control situations, constantly in my head thinking through, well, if this happens, then this is going to happen. And, this, and it's insane thinking. I mean, I think about this as sort of, certainly the second part of step one, but also the first part of step two. This this chapter to me names the insanity that we then need to be restored from. Um, and certainly, you know, living a life of being in self-will or, you know, willpower and, and keeping on guard all the time is is a, a big form of insanity that I had to um, recover from. And when I look at this paragraph, when I look at the, you know, the thinking that precedes this last sentence, I don't really see self-confidence in there. I don't really see sort of this absence of uh, fearfulness and standing in our authentic selves. I see ego. Um, and, and certainly for me, um, so much of my life was ego driven. And, and I would say I, I did that in the program too. I did that in the program, the many times that I relapsed and thought I can, I could take this into my own hands or I can try this kind of eating or, um, you know, Hey, my weight's under control and now I can go back to the way I was doing things. Um, and, uh, and it was all, it was all ego. It was all that fearful place, um, and sort of this this dynamic of wanting to put myself yeah. above others. Uh, so and, great. And uh, with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lane. Okay, Russ, you're up. It'll be followed by Summer. Russ. Good morning, Craig. Good morning. Good morning, family. Russ, I'm recovered compulsive overeater outside of Philly. My man Fred, huh? When I when I read this. You know, I think of about 2007, 2008, when my friend 12 stepped me. He's a crack, recovered crack addict. And um said, look, I, I think I have a problem with food. And he says, attend any meetings. And, you know, I basically poo-pooed it. And I went to Amazon, got the brown book. Because that's, I didn't know anything about the big book. And, uh, and I read the first first step and I threw the book down and I said that's not for me thanks a lot I'll see you and uh, for the following 10, 10 11 years you know it was just direct misery broken relationships financial problems just the devilment's galore and you know I, I think of it it was like really you know okay there was attitude there there was you know my pride but also, I like staying high. I like not having to deal with things. I like staying, you know, numb and uh, just didn't have to do anything. I didn't take any responsibility because I was an addict. And uh, 
until I was broken and I had zero, no other option is when I moved. And the, and the, the kicker of the whole thing is I wish I wish I would have went to a meeting earlier because I wouldn't I wouldn't trade this life in for anything else that I have right now. So yeah, I I, I was prideful. I had a, a, an attitude, but I also like to stay high because I'm a, I'm a I'm a junkie. So so I thank God for this uh, big book. Thank God that uh, Bill W and Doctor Bob were stone alcoholics because I wouldn't be on this line. So love you guys. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Okay, Russ. Thank you very much. Uh, all right, Summer D, you're up next. Morning, Summer. <laughs> Good morning, Craig. Thank you so much for your service. Can I be heard? Yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Good morning, my family. Um, Thank you all for your shares. Welcome to any newcomers on the line. Um, This program works. Keep coming back. Um, Yeah, so, so as I read this paragraph, I'm counting the, I'm counting the word I 11 times. You know, and, and for me, uh, when I first came into the rooms of OA in 1989, um, my ego went in. My ego has always gone in. My ego has gone into every room, every environment. And let me tell you, I knew how to do it. And what I didn't know was that I was implanted and programmed with the disease of alcoholism and, and how it affects every area of my life uh, before I was even born into the world. But here's what I do know. I came onto these lines at the end of March, and I heard recovery like I've never heard it before. What I do know is that I wanted what you all had. I wanted neutrality around the food. I wanted the relationship with a higher power that I have been looking for for 15 solid years. You know, and it didn't matter how much self-knowledge it didn't matter, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a retired professional dieter. You know, I, ha- I spent 20 years of my life yo-yo dieting in 40-pound increments. It didn't matter. It, it was never the one. It was never the solution. And when I got on these lines of OA vision, I heard something I had never heard before. I wanted it, and I was willing to do whatever it took. And I would just encourage anyone new, or especially if you're a chronic relapser, I'm getting a lot of calls now that I've just been recently released to sponsor. I'm getting a lot of calls from people that are chronic relapsers. And and here's what I'll say. This program works if you work it. And for me personally, I had to let go of playing God. I had to be willing to surrender. And God brought me a sponsor that got me through this thing in under three weeks. And even that was too long. But the bottom line is, I am experiencing God in a way and freedom and miracles. Doors of opportunity are opening up in my life. My head is spinning. It's happening so fast. And that's happening only because I am working with others. And this program and working with others is my life. Everything else comes beyond it because working with another is where I maintain immunity and I, and I grow my spiritual life. The answer is not the food. It's your spiritual life. So keep coming back. My name is spelt with an O. I am on the website. So thank you so much and uh, have a great day. All right. Thank you, Summer. 
Okay, we have time for a couple more shares. Uh, maybe not cool full three-minute ones, but uh, who would like to help us wrap up here? Nadia B. Nadia, Matthew All right, Nadia and Matthew. Let's uh, see how that gets us. I think that'll get us out. Go ahead, Nadia. Thank you so much. Nadia B. Gratefully recovered in Connecticut here. Um, you know, I can so relate. I love um, more about alcoholism. The whole chapter describes what alcoholism is like. And, uh, you know, if you anything like Fred or me, welcome to alcoholism. We, I thought that I could do the job myself too. Uh, you know, my willfulness, my stubbornness, my knowing allness, uh, my intellect that worked in any other instance in school and in work financially, you know, at the gym, do it all, you know, no pain, no gain. It worked everywhere else. And here it just didn't. Um, and, you know, and I kept trying because I just couldn't believe. I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend that my brain can, can do this to me. I just couldn't believe that, you know, I couldn't influence my own surrender. You know, I couldn't believe that I was that resistant. You told me, you know, that this is how this disease works. You know, you're going to be thinking that you don't have a disease. And I sat there for five years listening to it and still thought, not my case. Um, and, you know, it's all through uh, uh, more about alcoholism. It says, as we look back, we feel we had um, gone on drinking many years on page 34, beyond the point where we could quit on our willpower. Um, you know, there, there, there are examples of that everywhere. And I just couldn't believe it was my case. I just couldn't comprehend it. My obsession with myself was so strong that that's the only thing that I believe, and, and that's what Big Book teaches me. Self is your obsession. Here's my timer of two minutes. And, uh, you know, it just, it's just, if you are in this place and you think that you can surrender on your own, welcome to, to our disease, welcome to alcoholism. Without all that. Okay, thank you, Nadia. Matthew, we have about a minute. Can you keep it tight, Matthew? Good morning, and thank you for allowing me to speak, and welcome to all of the newcomers. My name is Matthew F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from northern New Mexico. And I remember from hearing this reading, I recall, you know, the, about two and a half years where my uh, compulsive addiction really progressed. and during that time, I for sure thought that I could outthink the disease. I didn't really realize I had a disease, but boy, my mind was at work. You know, I would exercise, I would throw up, um, I would steal food, I would do all kinds of things that uh, the disease had me do to convince myself that I was going to be okay or um, that I could lick it, that I could overcome it. And then um, I was given the gift of desperation. I uh, purged for the very last time on Christmas Eve and by the grace of God found a sponsor and then I started to really study the book and recognize that I 
and had to accept that I had an allergy. And once I realized I had an allergy, um, I felt better somehow knowing that it just, that I did need a power greater than myself. And I, I could stop hating myself for being such a failure that everything I tried wasn't working. And so I worked the steps, surrendered to God, made a food list, stayed abstinent. And then when I realized in the very beginning that it was a, a spiritual program, I thought I was going to be easy because I was a spiritual person. I'd been to ceremony, prayed, and I thought it was going to be easy because I thought I already had a relationship with God. But what I didn't recognize is that I needed to do the work and I needed to surrender. All I was doing was praying and asking right. God for help. And then I needed to needed to do the work. And now I'm continuing to do the work. So for all the newcomers out there, if I can do it, so can you. It's important to, to do the work and study the book. Thank you. I'll pass. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Appreciate you getting this closed. All right. Um, thanks to everybody that shared. Uh, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today is 13153. That's 13153. And the share ID for yesterday was 13152. Um, okay. And today's date is July 14th, 2019. Um, we're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Melissa C., uh, please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You until then. Melissa? Craig, this is Cindy. I think it's me. All right. Oh, yeah, it is you. I'm sorry. I'm reading our own line. Uh, go ahead, Cindy. <laughs> That's okay. Um, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.